For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra, and here we are about to enter the fall after what was a ton of great softball this year in the spring and in the summer, actually even in the winter a little bit too, since college softball starts in February. So I think it really is true that time flies when you're having fun. So first, some quick reminders for the show. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Softball. That's B-L-E-A-V. Believe in Softball is also on YouTube. Subscribe there too. The video is worth it. So for today's batting order, first, we'll cover our bases, give you some news and call-outs from around the softball world. Then we'll head into today's interview with Justin McLeod. He is a journalist who's been covering softball for over a decade, a great source of information about the sport, about the people who are a part of it. And he's really on the front lines of a lot of the stories that we all love and gives some great insight into that. So I'm excited for you to hear it. Then we'll end things with the foul tip of the week a tip to help us keep going and get better. All right, let's go. Covering our bases. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, the NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, eSports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's 5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. And for Athletes Unlimited, it's where it all finished. The winners, we finally have them. I can't believe Season 3 is over. But the champion is Deja Molipola, the first ever Triple Crown winner in Athletes Unlimited softball, by the way. Nine home runs, 19 RBIs, and a 432 batting average. Pretty impressive. And also impressive, she was down 184 points going into the last game and still was able to just leapfrog and come across the finish line first. It's it's awesome. I love stories like that. She's also the first position player to win 
for Athletes Unlimited Softball. We had Kat Osterman in the circle and Alicia Ocasio in the circle in seasons one and two, respectively. And now here it is with Deja Malipola, the catcher, other side of the battery this time. And then in terms of the top four, number two was Alyssa Denham, perfect 6-0 record in the circle. Number three, Haley McClenney, two-time captain. She hit 370 this season and just the great defense we're used to seeing from her out in the green. Number four, Savannah Jaquish, three-time captain, and as we know, always an offensive threat. So other than the fact that Deja Molipola was third in AUX earlier this summer, everyone in the top four, this is the first time that they're finishing in the top four for the championship series in Athletes Unlimited. This is the type of stuff that I love, right? It's always changing. It's always new. And this year was no different. Then we saw the Defensive Player of the Year, Hannah Flippin, a friend of the show, been on here since the early days of Athletes Unlimited. We were lucky to have her. She turned eight double plays. Eight. Keep in mind, like for the baseball fans, it is not nearly as common in softball, just due to the different dimensions and the speed of the game, to turn a double play. It is hard to do. She spent a lot of time at shortstop, and she did it. 30 assists, only one error in 57 chances all season. So super, super clean, fun to watch. Not surprising that on the defensive team, too, across all of Athletes Unlimited, Anissa Ortez, her middle infield buddy, and Haley McClenney, also finalists from, from that perspective. And surprising, people are talking about it, no cis baits, but remember that there's only one person per position, and it's voted on by the players and the facilitators and all of that good stuff. So it's really tough when you have veterans like Flippin, like Ortez, also another friend of the show, who are there, but I'm sure that Sis Bates has plenty of defensive awards in her future. And I have to say, I just love seeing Hannah Flippin thrive. You know, she was an alternate on the U.S. Olympic team last year. Her, Taylor Edwards, Kehlani Ricketts, they didn't get to stay in Tokyo, which was a surprise for them. Then fast forward now, she's on the USA roster this summer, and now she was able to do this with AU. So I just love seeing that journey for her. And then in terms of Rookie of the Year, which I love that we're recognizing this in Athletes Unlimited, Shannon Rhodes took it eight home runs and a 375 average on the season. We know this. She went to Oregon, then eventually Texas. She's an alum from there. She took a year off, though. An interesting story. She worked nine to five in recruiting and construction in Texas while she was just kind of waiting to figure out what she wanted to do and who she wanted to be. And she coached her old travel ball organization, Texas Glory, for 14 and under, and kind of realized, you know what? She still had that fire, and she wasn't done yet. And so she came back, and she debuted in pro for AUX and AU after she had declined after being drafted in 2021. I think the cool part about her story is that she talked a lot about just trying to figure out who she was throughout this time period. Who is she beyond just softball? Who is she as a person? Shannon. And I think through that journey, which she says, to be honest, she's still figuring that out, right? But through that journey, she actually ended up playing better because she was, I think, more open and playing more freely. She kind of said that too. She was like, I think that's where rookies may struggle, just not knowing how to close the door on who you were because you have to step out. You have to step through it. So it's, it's kind of like leaving your past self behind and opening yourself up to who you can be moving forward. And by the way, some of the best numbers overall, not just amongst the rookies. But another call that I have to make, we talked about how some U of A representation, Arizona, just in the top rankings within AU, 
during this season, it's officially an Arizona sweep. The AU champion, Deja Malipola, in addition to, as we know, Daniel O'Toole with the AUX championship. So Deja and Tooley, I mean, you add in Alyssa Denham being second place for AU, essentially the top three players in AU in 2022 were built in Tucson. So must, must acknowledge that. But speaking of Thule, you know, one of the big retirements that we celebrated and recognized this season, of course, she was that AUX champion, but just looking back on her career, a Tokyo Olympian with Team Mexico, an Arizona All-American, and a jackass movie star. Don't forget, she talked about it when she came on the show. And rightfully so, she got to have her moment and got a standing ovation for just everything that she's done for the sport. And I highly recommend, too, just getting back into her story. Listen to some of those past episodes with her that we've had. The first one was, you know, back in season one in 2020 during COVID lockdown. She's one of only a handful of repeat guests that we've had. So you can hear her back then. And then she came back just earlier this season for two parts after having won AUX and obviously going through the Olympic experience last year. So really cool to just witness her journey and really proud of her just as, as one of the believers that we've had here. And then I have to say some, some cool stories also come out of this, right? When people are ending their careers, there's a lot of appreciation that's at least shown publicly. And one of my favorites, I have to say, Arizona softball came out with a gem. She was doing an impression of Mike Candrea back in her college days. So this is kind of from the archives here. And she actually had dressed up as coach for Halloween, which I find amazing. She is probably the best rendition of Coach Candrea's walk that I've ever seen. So definitely look on Twitter for that if you haven't seen it yet. And then just some fun stuff too. You know, Courtney Gano posted um, that she actually, you know, played with both Thule and Amanda Chittister, who also retired in Italy and just kind of got to have that moment with them uh, as well, which is pretty cool to have it with both people who are kind of saying goodbye to the game, at least in this way. But for Danielle specifically, I think what we're going to miss is just that wonderful balance of intensity and vulnerability that she brings to the game. You know, super intense as a competitor, but she's also opened up a lot in terms of mental health and just her journey as a person. So maybe in the early days, you know, we got a lot of the RBF from her, which as another person who has been told she has an RBF, I can relate to. But gradually over time, you know, her smile on the field got bigger and bigger. So I I hope that it only continues to do so in the next phase of her life. But like I mentioned, not just Thule, but Chitty, also retiring, an Olympic silver medalist in Tokyo, longtime pro player with the Chicago Bandits, with Scrapyard Dogs at the time, two-time All-American, two-time Big Ten Player of the Year at Michigan, just someone who's been such a big part of this game for the last decade plus in the pro ranks and international ranks. But it started at Michigan, right? So a couple of really just poetic moments that she was able to have as she wound down her career. First of all, Carol Hutchins, the legend, we're talking about her retirement. They're sort of retiring at the same time here, surprised her and showed up in Rosemont, even hopped on the headset a little bit with ESPN. Pretty epic, like pretty, pretty cool to have real recognized real in this situation. And it's, you know, seeing her also, she gets that sort of curtain call after a a weather delay and all these kinds of things. But then she kind of just made her own moment as well by hitting a home run in her very last at-bat of her career. To me, 
it's moments like that that make it hard not to get romantic about sports. Like that is just beautiful. That's what we love. And also the fact that, you know, there's plenty of Michigan representation in AU. Haley Wagner, Abby Ramirez, Sarah Romero. It was a little bit of a, a reunion with them and with Hutch, which is always cool. We love to see that kind of stuff. And just the journey, thinking about it, that Chitty's had being the first number one draft pick in AU history. You know, her former teammate, Haley Wagner, picked her at that time. And she was a freshman when Chitty was a senior. And that's a special relationship, I have to say. From my own experience, you know, to this day, my class will refer to the freshmen that were on the team when we were seniors as our freshmen. Or the seniors who were on the team when I was a freshman will call me their freshmen and they were my seniors. You know, it is just this special thing because you just get that one year together, but it's it's on the, the bookends of your career and it's just an interesting bond. So pretty cool. Also a first, she was the first to be able to draft her fiance, Anissa Urtez, last year. And Urtez, when she came on this show, talked a lot about just Chitty's energy, you know, and how it was infectious and how actually like when they first met, she was kind of like, you know, I just wanted to be around her like as a teammate and a player and a friend. And then obviously they've only blossomed from there. But that's a pretty cool thing, kind of an only an AU sort of thing. And I have to say, we're going to miss, obviously, her Chitty Chitty Bang Bang walk up song and just that giant smile that always seems to be glued to her face when she plays. It's it's one of the most fun things you get to see is just watching other people be happy playing. It makes you happy. And she said, you know, the last few years of her career have been her favorite. And the last few years of AU have been really fun to watch as well. And you know what? Graham Hayes put it really well in his recap for D1 softball. You know, AU does this extremely well. It's very unique where your competitors and your teammates So it's this interesting balance of you're trying to win. Of course, you're way too competitive. You're a professional at that level. You're trying to win, but you don't have to be enemies to compete either. And there is this element of everyone really wanting to make sure that they have fun and kind of finding that all over again. So really, really unique experience. And it, like I said, it was the third season of AU. It's the third season of believe in softball. And we can kind of relate, you know, because that first season sort of brand new everything for the first time, trial and error. The second season, you feel like, okay, I learned a lot. Let me make some adjustments. Let's keep certain things that were great going. And then that third is sort of when you settle in, almost like your junior year, you know? And I feel like we've been doing that on the show sort of alongside AU, and it's been really fun to watch. And it was a good cap to what has been the main seasons in 2022 softball. College, obviously, From the pro ranks, it was AU, including AUX, but also WPF this summer. International tournaments like the World Games. We got to talk to Kamalani Dung about that. Then there was Travel Ball 2 that had nationals over the summer. All of those seasons are now over, which is crazy. We do still have the rest of the Japan Diamond Pro League. You know, Jordan Taylor talked about that in last week's episode. And we obviously have some fall travel ball and things like that. But the big seasons in the States are complete But at the same time, some things are just beginning because September 1st, today, the day that this is coming out is the day for colleges to finally be able to contact recruits. And just for those juniors who are in that position, I loved Kat Osterman's words about this. She said, remember, everyone's journey is different. No two are the same. You might get a ton of calls. You might get a few. You may not get one, but there's still time 
So keep your head up, keep working, calls and no calls, and trust your process. Sums it up right there. I really honestly don't have that much to add to that because she really nailed it. And I will say that, you know, I have anxiety. I'm an overthinker. I've always been that way. But for some reason, I was able to have this mentality during my recruiting process, and I'm incredibly grateful for it. I recommend it. And I actually think if you're able to do it, it means you probably really love it because it's not just about the results. And uh, there's so much that's going to happen as we're going into 2023. But someone who seems to know everything that's happening in softball is today's guest. So let's head into the interview. He is a respected softball journalist, national college softball editor at Extra Inning Softball, founder of Justin's World of Softball, and Dr. Pepper addict, Justin McLeod. Justin, thank you for joining. That is now my favorite intro ever. I appreciate you. (laughs) Yes, that's what I was going for, clearly. No, that that was, I, I was flattered. And then you threw Dr. Pepper Addict in there and it's like, that's going on the wall of fame now. <laughs> I love that that's the part that you're most proud of, of all the other oh, things that you've done. 100%. I have people walk up to me and they tell me they enjoy my Dr. Pepper tweets and nothing makes my day better. <laughs> I mean, we all have to find a way to survive, right? Like, like softball never stops, A. But then during this the seasons, I should say, because not just college, it's like the international, the pro stuff, everything. It's a grind. It's like a year-round thing. Do you ever stop, actually? No. I mean, the month of August has been a little quieter. Yeah. There's been a couple of days where I rested in August. So I guess I guess technically, yes, but no, not really. Do you ever go on vacation? Is that a thing in your life? It is not. I, have, I was actually telling somebody the other day, I don't think I've been on vacation since 2005. Justin. Oh yeah, I, I, I don't do vacations. I, you know, I can go somewhere for a weekend to see family or something. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where I feel lost if I'm not being productive. It's kind of how I'm hardwired. So the idea of, I mean, you know what, going to the beach is nice or going to the mountains is nice or going to a ball game is nice. I would like to go to Wrigley Field. I will say that that might be my one exception one day. Well, that's Um, a good one. But I can't imagine just sitting around for, you know, three, four more days without being productive. I can't, I can't wrap my head around it. I mean, I understand that to a certain degree because, and I've talked to a lot of guests, like former players about this you don't really get to vacation. Like if you grow up playing softball, your vacation, like that ends up being the softball tournaments. Like I spent time in Kentucky and Georgia and Alabama and all these places, not flying, you know, out of the country to go to the Bahamas, like other people might've been doing, you know? So I can understand from that perspective, my first vacation, I think I was 24 years old before I ever actually went on a vacation that wasn't softball or wasn't like just a couple days. I think the last vacation I took was to Bush Stadium in, in St. Louis Cardinals okay. game, but it was old Bush Stadium. Okay. So they've had an entire new stadium built, and they've got all the stuff since then. Uh, you know, so so I like. I just think I was in Colorado for you know travel ball this summer, and people are like, oh, you've got to stop by um, Estes Park. Like, I'd love to stop by Estes Park, except I'm in this place in Colorado this day and then this day and then this day. I'm like, there's no time. I saw the sign. I did see the sign. That's that's something. There's that. Right. 
Right. That's the thing. The road trips. I feel like I've also seen some funny tweets from you um, of just your road trip buddies that you're like having in the front seat with you and stuff when you're hopping from state to state. Tell me more about this. Well, this year I've spent more time on the road than ever. I mean, I'll be 10, 12,000 miles by the end of the year. Wow. Um, Cause I drive everywhere. I, I yeah. flew to one place this year. I, everywhere else I drive. I mean, maybe it's cause I'm a control freak. Maybe I just, you know, it's easier. Maybe it's less expensive. Maybe it's all those things. I don't know. Um, but when you're on the road that much, you gotta, you gotta make things interesting. You know, um, I was driving to, I think I was driving to Colorado actually. And I decided I needed a road trip buddy. So because I drank significant amounts of Dr. Pepper, um, I had plenty of empty bottles. So I just got one of the bottles and nice little face, some little, you know, some yarn hair on there and said, you know what? It's a good road trip, buddy. <laughs> uh, I mean, I pulled into a rest stop right when I pulled out because I drove from home into Oklahoma and up and I pulled into the rest area that says, welcome to Oklahoma. And I got that Dr. Pepper bottle with its yarn hair out, set it in front of the sign, took a picture of it. Guy came rolling into the rest stop on a motorcycle, and I don't want to know what he thought about me at that moment, <laughs> but he definitely thought some things. <laughs> yeah, you can see the wheels turning, I'm sure, exactly. in his mind at that point. And a long stare. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, man, I get it, though. I get it, because you're a night owl like me. We talked about this a little bit when we were kind of coordinating when we were going to get to chat. And that's how I am too. I used to blame it on the fact that I'd have practice and school Mm -hmm. and everything during the day. And really the only time I could do any quote unquote work, at least at a desk, schoolwork and things in college was at night. But now here I am a little ways out of college and I still do that. So I don't know if it's really about that and if it's just a personality trait at this point, but I used to do the same thing. I used to have like Coke or Pepsi but I actually haven't had soda in almost eight years. It'll be eight years in October. Wow. Yeah. And I don't drink so coffee. We're on two, we two very opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, we are. Now, now we are. Right. I don't yeah. I don't do coffee. I don't do tea. I wish I liked tea. I just I don't. I don't do energy drinks. Like the most I ever did was like five hour energy in college yeah. sometimes. But yeah, I'm just Wow. That's impressive, honestly. I, the way that I think I get away with it, because people have been like, how? How do you do that? I think I get away with that because I don't know the difference. It's not like I had caffeine a lot and then stopped. I never really did it much. So that's how I get away. And, you know, it's a little cheaper. No coffee addiction. Oh, it's absolutely cheaper. <laughs> you definitely are winning in that category. I promise you that. <laughs> but I do have a special place in my heart for your Dr. Pepper because it did bring me back to my, like, midnight coca-cola pepsi situation so especially like the in the glass uh, cokes yeah oh yeah you know it's just better yeah i love it i love it well i have to say we all and when i say we i'm speaking on behalf of the softball community appreciate your grind because you are constantly churning out content and i will say like a lot of the things that you Justin's World of Softball and Extra Inning Softball put out helps me with my job, whether it's broadcasting or this show. So I do have to just say thank you for everything that you do. And maybe I should write Dr. Pepper a letter too and tell them thank you. 
I mean, definitely fueled by Dr. Pepper here. Um, but no, I appreciate you saying that. That's kind of you. Um, yeah. Uh, that, that means a lot. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. And you're right. I think this is as close to an off season as we can get in softball right now, just because most of the big 2022 seasons are done college pro with WPF and AU, some of the international tournaments, like the world games and things, and even travel ball nationals, still some softball happening, travel balls always. And then there's still, you know, the Japan league is finishing their second half, but this is as close as it gets right now. So I'm glad I'm at least catching you, you know, when you can breathe maybe a little bit more. No, a little bit. Yeah. Definitely some actual breathing going on now. I don't know what to do with it myself actually. Yeah, I get that too. I found myself actually getting to watch Netflix again, which is weird. Um, But I would ask you too, Justin, I don't know if we've really ever gotten into this before when we've chatted. How did you first get into softball specifically, like this sport of all sports? So it's not a very sexy story, if I'm being honest. And I tell everyone that because it's really not. Um, I just kind of started. So backstory, I wanted to get into being able to cover one sport. Okay, let me back up. So I've done the whole local newspaper thing before where you cover the high school sports, all the high school sports and, you know, whatever else there might be. Um, and, and there's something to be said for that. Don't get me wrong. Again, that's a different kind of a grind. Yeah. That, that's a different kind of a beat. Um, you know, the, the last newspaper I worked for had one public high school, one private high school. Public high school had probably four sports. The private high school probably had a dozen. So there's a lot of everything. Something's always in season. Things like that. And yeah. at a certain point that there's just, there, there's things that happen that I'm just like, Hey, no, 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 no. Um, now when it comes to the softball thing, though, I wanted to be able to concentrate on a specific sport to where I could just not literally wasn't planning to, but, just throw myself into one sport instead of being spread between, you know, basketball and football and track and golf and what, whatever sports I wanted to be able to concentrate on one sport. And then I also wanted to be able to contribute to that sport. Hmm. So I enjoy football, I like watching football, college football fan don't have a favorite team. I know most people ask me that question. Don't have one, but I enjoy a good football game. I can't add anything to the media coverage that's there of football. Every team's got a beat writer, more than one generally. Every perspective's covered. Can't add anything to that. Other sports I enjoyed, same thing. Well, softball was the one sport that kind of was the cross between the two of where I felt like I could contribute to it. And also it was something I enjoyed because that was another prerequisite is it needed to be something that I actually enjoyed the sport. Um, And so softball was it. And I said, well, you know what? It's either a market that's not been attempted or it's something that's been tried and failed. If it's been tried and failed, okay, I'm joining others. Um, and if it hasn't been attempted, maybe there's something there. And so I just kind of started it, see what happens, and things happen. Yeah. Well, and the, I feel like the serious softball followers know this, but for anyone who's just getting introduced to you, it's been, what, a decade of you covering this sport at this point? I think this was season number 11, Yeah. Yeah. That's that's pretty impressive because I do remember I think the first time we actually ever interacted was when I was still playing or when I had just finished maybe and you were ramping up more and more uh, with Justin's World of Softball in the early days. And, you know, to see you still at it is pretty cool. 
I appreciate it. I, I'm not going to lie. When I started that, I'm not sure I expected to still be here 11 years later. <laughs> I'm not mad about it. Yeah. Oh, uh, but I'm not sure if you'd asked me then would I have said this was, this was going to be a thing still, you know, a decade plus later. But, um, I mean, and I wish there was a, you know, I could pin down how it happened. Wish I could, but I'm yeah. not, I guess I'm not mad about it though. Yeah. Well, you set a requirement for the direction you decided to go was you had to enjoy the sport. Why do you enjoy softball? It's fast paced. Um, I, I have an attention span issue and I, no matter where I am, what I'm doing, I just have to keep my attention has to be kept. And softball does that. Um, yeah. Softball and football are honestly the only two that do that um, of any sport. Outside of that, just watching a softball game before I really started covering college ball and all that kind of stuff, it kept my attention, but it also was something that I enjoyed. Like just, it kept my attention, but it was something I could just sit there and just zone out on and still enjoy it. You know, sometimes you're on a good Sunday afternoon, you turn golf on. Sometimes you can just enjoy it, you know, a nice shot, softball, a nice play kind of thing. So it was fast paced, but it was also something where there was always something that I just enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Now, it wasn't something at the time, but the longer I've been in softball, the, the more thing, more reasons I enjoy it, the more things that come to mind. For instance, you know, the, the people that are in it. You don't necessarily see that when you're just watching a game as a casual observer, but when you see, you know, a sport that doesn't have a lot of money, um, programs that don't have a lot of money, and the dedication that people put into it, things like that, you know, are now on the list that to answer that question. Didn't have them 11 years ago, but now are a big part of why I still love it and love it even more, I think, is that things like that, just you see what makes the cogs of the game go, and there's pieces of that that I, that I probably would put even higher than it keeps my attention. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense because I'm always really curious. I know what us, you know, former players love about it, right? And in current players and things. But to have someone who maybe came into the sport in a different way, and especially a man, you know, be interested in covering this sport and women's sports in general, frankly, I'm always fascinated to know, like, well, what was it? Because we just need more of that. You know, I, I'm a firm believer that it's, it's wonderful when women support women. I absolutely love it. It, like anything else, though, you have to have the allies and support from other areas as well. So between you and some others that are covering our sport in a very detailed and caring way, um, I'm always interested in, you know, why that is. Well, and, and I'll say, too, I think that speaks to, to another aspect of what I love about softball, because it didn't take long just dipping my toe in. Because, Like I say, I didn't know starting off really for the first year or two, was it something was it nothing? And right away, you have coaches and players, and I'd be like, okay, we'll cover the news, obviously, but do some feature interviews or whatever. And I'd reach out to somebody, or I'd reach out to talk, be able to talk to somebody or whatever, and you could just tell, and we're talking back 12, 13, 2012, 2013, how grateful they were just to have the chance, the platform. And I don't say that to make myself giving them the platform mean anything, but that was something that stuck out to me really early on covering softball was just how many people, because we're talking about players on 
you know, big time teams on World Series teams, coaches who'd won a oh, yeah. lot of games that just were grateful for an avenue outside the norm, outside their team websites or press conferences after postseason games or whatever, to be able to build the sport and to talk about things and to share stories. That was something that stood out to me so early on and really has never dimmed, even yeah. in all these years. That is so interesting that you brought that up. I've had the same experience with this show. You know, some people are like, man, how'd you get so-and-so on the podcast? Really? Like, why'd Kat Osterman, how'd you do that? You know, and, and certain other people. And it's like, well, everyone does appreciate the coverage and everybody does want to grow this game. So they do want to say yes to that, to those sort of things, because we know that that's what it takes at the end of the day to continue to grow the sport. And I agree with you. It's it also because of that, it makes it easier and kind of more of a central theme in those interactions to actually build relationships. Also, it's, you know, not as transactional, maybe as some of the big time men's sports would be in this type of media coverage. Absolutely. I mean, it's I'll say this. I didn't do a lot of professional, any professional, a lot of college or anything when I was doing the local newspaper beats and all that. But just the softball world being what it is, is completely different from anything else I'd ever covered at any level. It really is. You're really great at covering all levels of softball, too. Not just Power 5, not just D1, not just college softball, you know, not just the, the maybe bright, shiny things. But you really, I feel like, and this is what I appreciate, shine that light on all the different parts of the game. Why are you so good at that? <laughs> well, I had an answer ready, and then you asked me that specific question. Um, I, so early on, I promised myself if I was going to do this, I was going to do it right. And right to me meant covering everybody. Mm. Um, at the same time, when I was first starting, when back at Justin's World back in the day, back in the day, um, mid-majors were a big part, you know, the schools that fit that bill. I know some of them don't like the label, but the schools that fit that bill, non-power fives, were a big part of helping me grow. Because again, going back to that level of gratefulness and those kind of things, they didn't have anything. You know, a lot of them didn't even have the press conferences after postseason games because one team from their conference gets in every year. So that was a big part of my bread and butter in those first few years was making sure I covered and covered the right way those mid-majors. So that was a big part of it. Also, I've got some of the rain man in me. I'm a perfectionist, and I want to cover everybody. I want to get the best stories wherever they come from. I want to make sure everybody's in there. If I have – well, no, that's going to sound really arrogant if I say it that way. Um, One of my faults is – Maybe I go too much into the mid-majors. But if that's my biggest fault or one of my biggest faults, I'm actually okay with that. Because I put a lot of stock in, you know, so-and-so who hits 15 home runs for a mid-major and bats 400 over here with, you know, power five kid who hits 290 and has 11 home runs. So, you know, I, I equate those two without looking at, well, this one's at the mid-major, this one's at the power five. And honestly, some of the best stories I've had come from the mid-major level. And so it drives me to make sure I keep that up. It'd be really easy to, 
you know, just cover the Oklahomas and the UCLA's and the Alabamas of the world, that sure that would be easy. And there's a lot of content there, but I feel like even, I mean, I've been doing this 11 years. I feel like there's still an untapped portion of the stories and the people and all that mid majors, D2, D3. I don't get to do as much D2 and D3 as I'd like to, but I try, but there's gotta be, I gotta sleep a few hours somewhere. Um, (laughs) But even then there's good stories there. There's good coaches and there's good coaching stories. There's good players and good playing stories, good family stories down at those levels. Um, And so I think that's what keeps me doing that is because it justifies itself to me. Like Mm -hmm. I can justify if I'm sleeping five hours, but it's because I've spent four hours through, you know, up to like 3 a.m. with this really good story that I believe in and I want to get out there. Well, I can justify that to myself. So the next time, well, you know what, this is what happened the last time. So I can do the same thing again. Um, I'm also going to admit my brain's wired a little differently than most people. So that's probably part of it too. Um, but those are the con- that's the conscious side of me. Uh, answer your question at least. I feel like anyone who's really good at something is wired a little bit differently or has to think a little bit differently or approach things a little bit differently, right? Like that's, I don't know if success comes from just doing whatever the existing blueprint is. So that makes sense to me. That's a good point. <laughs> but you said- I'll take it too. Yeah, you should take it. You should take it. You said that you would find like some of the best stories or some really good stories in that arena. What makes a good story? So for me, when I say a good story, um, I think it's something that has a, I'm going to say has a purpose. Um, Sometimes that's a story about a kid, a player, there are kids to me still, um, but about, you know, about a player who overcomes some kind of physical ailment and, and recovers and comes back to be a superstar again. To me, that has a purpose. Um, you know, sometimes it's as simple as a coach who maybe has been around the block a few times and has finally found uh, you know, a resting place, a place where they can thrive mm. and be successful. This, you know, well, to me, that has a purpose. Um, you know, sometimes it's as simple as just a story about why this player transferred to another place from one school to another. I know some people don't like the transfer stories. But those stories that have a purpose are the ones that I like. So to me, when I'm looking for a good story, that's what I look for. I look for something that has a purpose that I, if I look at it before I know any of the details, just superficially, does it look to me like something I would want to read about? That I'd want to spend however many minutes clicking a link, reading the first few paragraphs, and then reading all the way to the end. Like, yeah. Can I envision that in my head? Um, and then two, I want to make sure I'm presenting a product for the people who read my content. Yeah. I always want to make sure I feel like I have a duty to my readers. So I always want to make sure I look at it through the lens of, okay, this is interesting to you, Justin, but is this going to be interesting to Joe Blow or Jill Schmiel? Who's just, you know, scrolling through Twitter. Are they going to find it interesting? Right. Um, so as long if I can find a story with a purpose and it's something that I'm, feel like I can either that either is or that and again this is going to sound a little arrogant but that I can help make interesting for yeah. the reader because sometimes the story is great but it needs a little crafting so mm-hmm. if I can add that and, and that becomes something where you know a story that readers need to read maybe there's a greater purpose to it 
then I want to do that. So that's I looked at every feature story through that lens. Um, not every story, I'm not going to lie. Not every story meets that. Sometimes, you know, there's some simple stuff that I want to get out there just to give somebody, you know, like I do some different series just for this platform, for this type of assistant coaches or for D2 coaches or D3 coaches. Just get a little spotlight, you know, people who are not in the eye. But generally, anytime I'm writing a story, that's what I look for. I want something that's got a purpose that's going to be interesting for people to read. Purpose is definitely the right word because we all want to be inspired. We all want to feel, you know, like those are the stories that we love the most and that keep us coming back. And the purpose, the example that, or the theme that came up from the examples that you just shared seemed to be almost this element of like redemption or like bounce back from something hard. You said injury, someone who's moved around a lot and then settle somewhere, you know, and like figures it out. That's something that we're all trying to do too, right? Figure it out. So I can exactly. see why those stories appeal. Redemption's a great word too. I love a good, I, anytime I get to write a good redemption story, I am here for it. Oh yeah. They're the, and to your point, they're really fun to read. They're really fun to read. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff that we like, you know? Right. Exactly right. I also have to ask you about the golden Mike awards that you and extra innings announced this past year, because I'll tell you, first of all, I was pleasantly surprised to even be in the conversation, but I also just think it's really cool that you guys were even deciding to acknowledge the broadcasters that cover softball. Well, I've always liked the, I hate to use the word tertiary, but I've always liked the, the people, the underdog, I guess. But in this case, to me, underdog is the people who probably don't get a lot of attention for actually doing what they do. I mean, you know, yes, this broadcaster is great. This broadcaster needs work. You know, sometimes we'll say stuff when we see stuff on TV, just softball fans. Um, but that was one thing that, you know, just, just in looking at, I, I kind of always wanted to do something for specifically for the broadcasters. And we did SID awards. Like I was, you know, I kind of want to focus on those groups. Never had been able to. So when it came about, I mean, took a while to come up with a name that I liked and then longer to come up with a graphic that I liked. <laughs> um, I mean, still only batted 500 between those two, but you know, um, but it was one of those things where it, it not only, and, and this was something I know we talked about earlier when it came to like, when I first started and covering different teams and all that, yeah, you know, mid-major and power five, it's kind of the same thing. I wanted it to be something where, you know, the broadcast that you see on ESPN calling Clearwater and calling the world series are get their due they deserve it. I mean, they're there for a reason, but you know, get their due, but at the same time, not leave out people who maybe don't have that level of exposure, but also deserve recognition and have done good things and that kind of stuff. So it was kind of a fun thing. And then came with the categories and all that kind of stuff. And it just kind of, it blossomed. And then, I mean, it was honestly really popular too. I don't know what I expected, but it was really popular. It was, I saw a lot <laughs> about it in like my feed and, and everything else. And you're really good at too, just even on your own Twitter saying, Oh, so-and-so is going to call this game or this regional or this, whatever. I haven't really seen that from a lot of media outlets, but you do a pretty good job of, of saying that, or even like umpires sometimes that are working certain things. And you're right. The SIDs, the real MVPs, let's be honest. So I was also happy about that. Talked about it on the show for sure. Well, I mean, I've considered doing umpire of the year awards, but some umpires fall in the category of they, they want to be invisible. Some 
You True. know, if they do well, want the recognition. Others, if they do well, still want to be invisible. Haven't quite found that line yet. But to me, the broadcasters, the SIDs, they do good good work. It ought to be recognized. Um, I mean, and we had a fan vote for the different categories for the Golden Mics. I mean, there were like 5,000 some odd votes wow. for the Golden Mics. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Did not expect that. You're like, now I have to go through this. Great. <laughs> well, that's the beauty of Google Forms and pie charts. It's wonderful. It's true. Download it into a spreadsheet. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. No, that's that's awesome. I actually did have like friends and family be like, I voted for you. Like, what are the results? Like, when are you going to find out? I'm like, I don't know. You know, and they were all very into it. Um, and I, I felt like there's a lot of people, you're right, who do a great job. And like I said, I was excited to even just be in the conversation. There's so many like ESPN people and all of all of those folks who were there. So it was it was and a lot of actually guests from the show, which I was excited about, too. Who were included. I remember seeing your tweet about that. And I was like, I did not realize all of them had been on her show. Yeah. But no, yeah. you do good work. And so I was like, when I was going through the categories and all that, that was one thing I wanted to make sure. Well, I was like, okay, only six make each category, but I want to make sure it's six that deserve to be their body of work, you know, that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I'll say this. I know it's your show that I'm saying this on, but you earned your spot on there. So. I did not pay him, everyone, just for the record. <laughs> He is not no. being paid for this. <laughs> this is not a paid endorsement. It was not a paid nomination. <laughs> like that. Yeah. Well, no, I really appreciate that. And like I said, I, I like that just theme in your work too, of putting a spotlight on all the different parts of the game. That's, that's something that I strive for with this show too. So I, and I appreciate seeing that elsewhere and, and being able to be inspired by it too. So thanks no, again that's, for that. That's, that's my jam. I'm not gonna lie. That's my jam. Yes. And again, so much content that you're putting out constantly. We, I mean, the Dr. Pepper is there for a reason, right? We've been over this. How much content are you putting out, like average in a week over the course of a year? So since I came to Extra Inning, I'm doing three articles a day on average during the week. Usually me. Now, Extra Inning, double that because yeah. we also do the travel ball stuff. I just don't touch that. So three articles from me a day during the week and then weekends usually two a day um and then during the off season i mean when the news is coming out unfortunately i don't control the news cycle wish i did right you know, we all wish but, that right yeah right i mean there have been some days where i had six i published six articles in a day yeah it's 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 a lot it's a grind i think it's where we, we've settled on for this it's a grind but yeah it's, it it's a few articles i'm I think I'm almost, I've been there 10 months. I think I'm almost up to a thousand so far at extra inning. That's wild, wild in a good yeah. way. But I just, I think that's important because I want also people to realize when we talk about covering softball, like what that means and how much goes into it. Kind of to your point, you're like, well, I want to shine a light on broadcasters and umpires and SIDs. It's like, well, I want to make sure we're shining a light on people like you also. Eric Lopez, who's a friend of ours who covers the game a ton, you know, folks like that who are doing this constantly because it is constant. <laughs> constant. There are very few breaks and even less sleep. Oh, yeah. That's that's <laughs> another theme of, of everything. Right. Yeah. Plenty of Dr. Pepper, though. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, I need to get I need to find my Dr. Pepper now. I just don't know. Uh, hey, honestly, when we get done, we're probably going to do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I got to find what my equivalent is. For a while, it was iced hot chocolates. 
Um, there's a coffee place called Phil's in the Bay Area. And yeah, I saw chocolates. It sounds ridiculous because it's essentially, it ends up being like chocolate milk, but it should be hot chocolate poured over ice. I was addicted to that probably like during the last couple like post COVID times. Um, Okay. (laughs) That's as close as I got. The the name is interesting to me, but I'll take your endorsement for the taste and and the quality of the beverage. So yeah. Well, if you make your way out to the Bay area and you should, because you know, Stanford couch, throwing it out there. Um, I highly recommend. Okay. I'm going to remember that. I'm going to write that down. You should. You should. <laughs> but what is your process then? So when you have identified, okay, this is a good story. This has a purpose. This meets all the things that I want it to meet. How do you craft that? You said crafting is part of it, right? How do you do that? So that actually has kind of morphed over the last couple of years. Um, used to, it, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm going to draw the line kind of COVID. Right, kind mm-hmm. of 2020, because that's during the pandemic and all that was kind of when it shifted and started shifting. So previously, my process was very, I would do an interview and I would, you know, fi- identify a good story, flesh it out, do an interview. And I'd have a few notes and I relied a lot on my brain in the moment. And by that, I mean, I'd finish an interview and then I'd go right into kind of crafting the, the the frame of it and say, okay, well, okay, frame's added. Now I'll add the meat later. Mm. And that's kind of how I would do it. Um, during COVID and during the pandemic and the shutdown, I did a ton of different content. And honestly, I'm not even going to pretend some content that I want to do that I was interested in that didn't get done just mm. during the whole time. And I think the reason I say that, and I honestly, I'll admit that, not really want to hide that, but that, that helped change how I did things, um, how I took notes when I was doing an interview. And instead of relying on my brain and then immediately crafting it, sometimes I would start crafting it mid interview. Hmm. Like if somebody said something, I, you know, so there, there's times where I'd sit there and I'd, you know, have my notes or I'd have my laptop or whatever. And, and I'd start crafting it since then. I, um, I've completely changed the way I take notes. Um, and, and even sometimes now I put my, I put my brain, the way I refer to it is I put my brain in uncomfortable positions sometimes. So the reason I said that, so I used to be a very introverted kid, kid, teenager. I was incredibly introverted. And the way I worked out of that just as a life thing was by putting myself in uncomfortable situations that I had to find my way out of the coin of phrase. Yep. So now I kind of do the same thing for my brain when I'm working where sometimes I don't even use a recorder where if I'm sitting there doing something and, it, and it's only for certain kinds of content. Don't get me wrong. It's, you know, sometimes to get quotes right and all that got to happen. Yeah. Right. But sometimes where you would think, okay, well, a recorder makes sense because you want to make sure you get stuff right. Sometimes I won't use a recorder and I'll just have an old fashioned legal pad and a pen and I'll just take notes. Now I suck at shorthand, but I'll, ta- I'll take start. those notes. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. I wish I was good at it. It'd make life a lot easier. <laughs> um, but what that does is it puts my brain in that uncomfortable position of, like, say I'm sitting across the table from somebody that I'm interviewing for a profile. 
about themselves. Well, yeah. they may be telling something that I need to get down. Well, not only do I have to keep up with them and make sure my brain's keeping up with them, it gives my brain the muscle memory of writing out what they've said. But also sometimes in that moment, what they've said crafts itself in my brain, not a quote, but just an idea to where by the time it gets to my notepad, it's the idea. And that makes its way into the story and helps craft and frame the story. And so I've, I've completely changed my process, honestly. Um, again, I've got an attention span issue, so that plays into. Um, but also, sometimes I'll put two stories together at the same time. I'll have, I've got two monitors. I'll have one on one side, one on the other. And I'll do what I call distracting myself. I'll work on a story A over here. And when I need a break from story A, I'll go grab me a drink or something, a quick snack, and I'll come back and I'll work on story B for a little bit because mm -hmm. it's completely different. So it is part of that distraction. And hopefully at the end of the day, I got two good stories. Yeah, right. Well, you know, to me, this is the interesting part about sort of the media side, because you're still a creator, you know, even if you didn't like make these people up like a writer would do, right? Like in a fiction novel or an artist who's painting something or a musician or whatever, you're not making this stuff up out of thin air, but you're still crafting it and it's still a craft and you still have this sort of process of where you're creating something to put it out there for the world. So that's where I think it's interesting because anyone who does that in life, like it could be anything, has that sort of like process or things that they figure out that works and you're inspired at different times. No, that I like the way you put that. Once again, um, but that's, again, <laughs> this is the whole media and media thing going on here. Yeah. I mean, I, I trust I, one thing I try really hard to do is to make sure I'm being true to my subject. So whoever, whatever I'm writing about, I want to make sure I do right by them. Mm -hmm. To me, sometimes that takes on different, that looks different ways, but I always want to make sure I'm doing right by the person. Yeah. Um, it's just part of the way I am now. That doesn't mean I change anything about them or what they've said or anything like that. But sometimes it does mean making sure, you know, asking three more questions to make sure that I see what they're saying the right way. Um, yeah. honestly, I'm doing a fall profile series. There's some individual people. I've had profile interviews that have gone three and a half, four hours, just not intentionally, but just because I want to make sure. And they were, um, you know, it was not where we were being kept from anything, luckily. So we were able to do that and not all yeah. of them are like that, but just to make sure I got the full scope of who the person is, was, has been, will be so that when I'm profiling them, I'm putting them in the best, most exact frame that I can that truly fits them. Yeah. And to me, I'll spend four hours for one story. I'll drive eight hours for one story. I've done that too. Um, to make sure I get it in that, I, I get it in the right frame and, I, and I'm doing as well by that person as I can. I really respect that. And I feel similarly when preparing for broadcasts. Um, whether it's pronouncing someone's name right. My last name got butchered. Can't even tell you how many times, whether it was written or verbally said, right? So there's little things like that that you pay a little extra attention to. But it is like you said, it's 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 not necessarily sugarcoating or polish over-polishing or anything. It's making sure that it's accurate or as accurate as it can be 
you know, and that is the case too for broadcasts when you're talking about someone's story, maybe a little different than if you're writing it, but it's still their story at the end of the day. And it's, we ask the, we hope that everyone is, you know, true to themselves and they're being authentic and then themselves. So then we should also talk about them in that way. And you know, that's, that's exactly the way I feel about it. And I've had that discussion with people sometimes because I, because I'm so honestly narrow minded is not an inaccurate for this particular context, because I try to have that tunnel vision. I try to be, mm-hmm. I try to be narrow minded when I'm doing a story or just in how I do things. Because I feel like there's only one way to do it. Now, you know what? This person might not be as interesting as they were to, for the reason I thought they were when I set out to talk to them. Haven't run into that so far, but it might be a thing. Well, you know what? There's still something about that person that's interesting. Is it the job they do? Is it the way they do their job? Maybe I thought it was over this quality over here. Well, maybe this quality over, that, over there that I didn't know about is actually what's interesting about them. So for me, even if my initial motive isn't totally true, there's always something where I can still be true to who that person is or the team is or the situation is or whatever and and tell the story, even if it's not the way I initially thought it was going to be framed. Right. Um, And I take that approach even on when I'm writing news, like people ask me all the time, you know, I don't add commentary to my news articles. I add commentary to commentary. For me, writing the news is always very straightforward. It's a statement of fact. Sometimes facts make people look good. Sometimes facts make people look bad. I never set out to do either. My, again, that narrow-minded tunnel vision, my goal, I want to report the news and let people take from it what they will. And then if I have commentary, I'll say it's commentary. And when I'm doing a feature, it's the same thing. I want to be able to be true to who the person or the situation or the team or whatever is. And let the story tell itself and me just kind of be the one who types on the keyboard to get it there, if that makes sense. It does. And that's a really good point because there is an element of you have to still be open-minded and able to make those adjustments. You you do all the prep in the world, right? Like I do, I actually learned that a lot from this show, which is sure, I know certain things. You can do all the prep, you do the background information. Like I'm all about due diligence. I'm the same way as you. I'll stay up till two, 3 a.m. if I need to, to prep, whether it's this or a broadcast or whatever it is, I want to make sure, you know, but, but early on, I think I was kind of had all my questions planned out and knew exactly what I wanted to, to cover, but that actually makes you not listen as much if you're too focused on that. And then you miss something that someone says where it's like, oh, that's actually interesting. Why don't we kind of pivot in that direction? And that can be missed. And then you're missing part of the story, which was not the point in the first place. So I can definitely relate to that. Well, and honestly, that's part of how my process has changed. You were asking a minute ago in those last couple of years, I'm more attentive now. Not that I wasn't before, but I'm more attentive now to those pivots, to those well, you know, this is what I came into it. And yeah, that's interesting. And even if yeah, it may be true, but hey, this thing over here is a bigger piece. It's more right. important. It's got this. And I'm much more attentive now to those pivots and going in a different direction completely. Not that I wasn't before, but I'm much more in tune to that now in the last couple of years. And honestly, I think I'm a better writer for it because that's you're right. That's a huge part of it. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Same. And it, I, it's funny because it does go back to, you know, I always 
my brain just works in terms of thinking of things as a player, you know, or, or as an athlete. So for me, I'm like, oh, well, this has to do with making adjustments because I could be a hitter. I get all my reps in. I'm, I'm working on all my things that I need to work on for my swing. I study the pitcher. I know all these things. But when it comes down to it, when I step in the box, I have to react to whatever's coming to me. You know, right. like I, I can control what I can control, but you can't control everything. And I think that is a lesson, too. It's interesting, like um, that you, apparently we learn in media, but just in life. Right. So it's yeah. it's funny how it all translates. Mm-hmm. It really is. <laughs> what is your favorite story? Or I know that's really hard because you've been doing it for so long. So maybe a couple. <laughs> um, well, this this is going to sound self-serving, but it, there's actually one that I just wrote mm-hmm. in the last few days about Louisiana Monroe building a new facility. And, and I caught that my, my headline was how four football helmets changed the college softball program saw that headline honestly i can tell you absolutely that's my favorite headline i've ever written um but literally again it was one of those situations that just on the surface you think okay well they built a facility that's nice it's a very nice facility a lot of people build nice facilities cool but digging into it there's two strangers who go to a random fundraiser night for the softball program Never, never, it touched the softball program, never, university, nothing. Moving two days later to the other side of the country. And they go in, they spend thousands of dollars on four football helmets. And what transpires from that is those two individuals become an integral part of that program and end up leading the way to building a new state-of-the-art facility for the program. And that kind of a story hits all the, the buttons for me. Like that's yeah. the kind of story I love to tell. Um, so that is call it recency bias, but honestly it's not. That is one of my favorite stories I've ever written. Um, I've done some stuff in the past. I did one story about a nurse, uh, excuse me, a physician's assistant who was working during COVID front lines in a, in a COVID hospital and just what that was like for her. Um, that was one that I look back on that I'm, I'm glad we got to do. Um, and it was a, it was a good one. I enjoyed that one. Um, there's always one that I wrote years ago that I cannot remember for the life of me. That was my favorite for years and years. Um, but it's always, like you say, the redemption stories, um, the, the stories that I feel like mean something. Yeah. That putting them out there, it feels like I'm contributing to something beyond just adding content. Those are the ones that always stick with me, even if I can't remember what they are, like I say here. But there's a reason that story from, you know, eight years ago, six years ago, however long ago it was, is something that even without the headline, without what the hook was, who it was about, there's a reason I remember that there was one six years ago, eight years ago, however long ago it was, that I was really good, that I enjoyed, that I felt meant something. Um, those are the ones that always stick with me. Yeah. How you how do you discover those stories? Like, how do you find out about Ooh. this stuff in the first place? We're back to the whole not sleeping a lot thing. <laughs> it's a theme, um, for sure. It is. Yeah, this, that's the overarching thing in this whole thing. I don't sleep, I drink Dr. Pepper, I make up for it. Um, I mean, honestly, I don't know that there's a good answer to that. Um, I, I try to be very attentive to things like that. I tried to, to 
social media, people I know, things like that. Um, you know, sometimes like I, I've got one story that I'm working on right now. It's about a softball player, college player, an active college player who was adopted. And, and you know, that right there, there's a lot of college players who were probably adopted and all that. But the story behind it is really good. And that came from I was randomly interviewing this player amongst several other of her teammates for a story about the program she's in. Yeah. And just a couple of things that she said in the course of talking about the program. Spidey sense starts going off in the back of my head. I write that one down. Um, Sometimes it's as simple as seeing something on social media. Um, The story I mentioned about the physician's assistant during COVID. Well, she was the first um, softball player to appear as a Jeopardy answer. Awesome. It's a random thing. Pretty (laughs) cool. I had written just a, just a, just a fun little newsy type of thing back, back when, um, about her and that. And so just kind of touched base with her because of that knew one another, whatever. And then during COVID I see her on the front lines and I'm like, Hey, do you want to talk about this? Can you talk about this? She's all for it. And it turns into this, this story. So a big thing for me is being attentive to things that otherwise might seem like nothing, but also being attentive to people. Yeah. For me, that's a big part of it because where those stories may not come from what I find, sometimes they come from a text message. Hey, there's this kid who's graduating high school and going to college who, you know, had a liver transplant in eighth grade and is now on scholarship at a D1. You know what? That's a pretty solid story. Um, so, you know, things like that too. There's not really one good answer. I'm not going to lie to you though. Cause I've grabbed stories from all kinds of places. Yeah. Um, I grabbed a story from an Instagram story one time where I just was, I don't even, I'm not even good at using Instagram and I'm just clicking through stories and rejoicing in people's happiness. And I see something I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. Dig a little deeper. Turns out to be a good story. Just, yeah. Is it a similar process <laughs> when you're discovering breaking news? Because I also feel like you're pretty good at that. And I'd love to know your secret. <laughs> um, it, it, it's, it is, but it's not, mm-hmm. um, breaking news. Now, some news that I write up, it goes back to the being attentive thing. Cause sometimes there's something out there, a kid transferring. That's a big deal. Well, you know what? Maybe they posted it on Instagram. Yeah. Well, you know what? You write up, write up and you can write something up based on an Instagram post as easily as somebody says, Hey, so-and-so's in the portal. Um, you know, a coaching move, same thing. For the breaking news, though, it does go back deeper to the people. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I'm really proud of over the last 11 years is the trust that I've developed with people. Um, you know, I was I was out this summer and I was just talking to a buddy of mine who's a coach who was there recruiting, and a friend of that coach walked up, and the co- the mutual friend coach is introducing me and the person who walked up and just starts telling their friend about how they got to know me and just starts telling them that I'm trustworthy. And to me, that's the highest compliment I can get. Like there are some people who don't like the fact that I break news would prefer me not to break news. I I get that those people are there, but at the end of the day, somebody saying they know that I'm trustworthy and endorsing that quality in me to a friend of theirs 
or somebody telling me, hey, I know that XYZ is happening, not about themselves, but you know, find out about it somewhere. They know, one, that I'm not going to tell somebody, hey, such and such told me this. But two, they also know, maybe they, that person telling me knows it for sure. Maybe it's just something they heard, but they know because I've built that trust with that person that I'm going to do the work that it takes to find out, okay, confirm this is true. Yeah. Um, I've lost plenty of scoops over the years because I couldn't confirm to my satisfaction that it was 100% accurate. And maybe that's not doing my job the best way. I don't know. But that's the only way I know how to do it. I'm not going to run something based off of what one person tells me. Now, confirmation looks like looks differently in different situations, absolutely. Yep. But I'm never going to run a, a breaking news story that I'm not willing to put my reputation behind. Yeah, um, that was the thing with with you know Justin's world. I, I'm not arrogant enough to say that I named it after myself. Just I named it after myself because I needed the name. I mean, yeah. just what I came up <laughs> with. Um, but that was one thing that I did enjoy about the fact that my name was on it was anything that I ever published, anybody who read it knew my name was on it, which means I had to make sure that it was backstopped and that I was confident to put it out there for people. Um, that That's one thing that really has not adapted over the years. Like I say, confirmation yeah. looks very different in some situations, um, but I'm always going to backstop a breaking news story to the point that I'm confident it's accurate and I'm willing to put my reputation behind it. And then after that, I got a job to do. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that because in some ways, yeah, people may name things after themselves from the perspective of vanity, but in your, the way you just described it, it's more so accountability actually. Cause you're like, yep, my name's on this too. It's not just the people I'm talking about. It's me too. So there it is. I wish I could say that was intentional. It wasn't. But <laughs> once once I started doing the breaking news thing, that was something I realized pretty quickly was that anybody who read my stuff, that they didn't have to trust me because they don't know if they don't know me from Adam, a reader doesn't have to believe it necessarily. But anybody who reads my stuff consistently is gonna know anything I'm writing has my name on it. Right. And so I'm putting my reputation out there every time I break a story. So if you get to the point where you trust me, know. You know, and, and that was something I was pretty proud of over the years. Yeah. What made you make the decision to then move from Justin's World of Softball to Extra Inning? Two things, really. Um, Brent Eads runs Extra Inning. Um, and he and I had had discussions a few different times. Um, he, he would come after me and say, and, you know, something. And so when when he approached me last summer, so summer 21, um, I mean, I wasn't looking to do anything different. I was never looking to do anything differently. Um, I mean, for a time during Justin's world, I was working at the same time as a paralegal that I was as a softball reporter. And let me tell you, those are two careers I do not suggest combining. Um, yeah. You think if, if I think sleeping now is rare, that was something else entirely. Um, but the uh, so Brent is a good guy he's, he's he and I are similar ways of doing things in some ways he has similar senses of humor much to certain people that were in each of our lives disdain but um he he and I learned we were pretty similar in some ways um in some motives and methodology 
and why we do what we do, how we do it, that kind of thing. We were similar in some different things like that. But then two, I make no bones about it. I've never been a good businessman. That is not what my brain is wired for. My brain is wired for creativity, for writing, for content, for being a workaholic. It's not wired for being a great businessman. Um, so when that came about, I also had to look at it from a practical sense of if I want to be able to write about college softball long term and not have to worry about, hey, how much do I get to eat this month or this month? Um, you know, that was that was something that, that I needed to consider in this context. And so the more discussions that Brent and I had, the more comfortable I became with what it would look like. I mean, he even told me at one point, we want you to do exactly what you're doing on Justin's world the exact same way. But for us. And that meant a lot to me. Because like I say, my style is not everybody's style. Not everybody likes my style. So there, there is, it, it would be easy to say, hey, we want you to come work for us and we want you to do this differently and that differently. So something like that simple assurance, the same thing you're doing the same way, but for us, that was a small thing that meant a lot to me. And so when it came right down to it, it was a practical thing, but it was also something where I felt like, the long-term benefit could be there. And it has been, I mean, I've been busier than ever in the, let's see, I guess that's 10 months since we did that move. Since I went over to extra inning, I've been busier than I ever have in the last 10, 11 years, (laughs) busier than ever. But at the same time, I've also been in the best shape in terms of content production and in terms of what I'm able to do and creativity and things that I'm finally able to bring to the table because I've got just softball and I'm able to finally spread those wings a little more. And that's, that's kind of what I, when I looked at, that's kind of what I saw on the horizon as a possibility. And it's, it's shown itself in the first year. Um, So it was kind of a combination of those two things. And, you know, people recognize the Justin's world brand and, and there's still people who ask me, well, are you still doing Justin's world and extra inning? And I'm like, Nope, it's Justin's world. It's just on extra inning. It's exact same thing. It's the same way, like Brent promised me. It's just different place now. And, you know, like I say, I wasn't, it seems arrogant to put my name on it, but I also, I wasn't arrogant enough to believe that my way is the best way. You know, working for myself is great, but working for myself and with somebody else is just as great. So yeah. it was really a, a no lose situation, I guess. Um, yeah. It's been a great few months, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it makes total sense. And when you think about, the big picture of softball coverage today. So you have what you're doing at extra inning, which you like, you feel good about, but you take a step back, think of the big picture. What do you think is good? And what do you think we can do better? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, (laughs) I think one thing that's good is, and, and I'll expound on what I mean by this, but I think one thing that's good is we haven't lost ourselves as a sport. Mm. Like there's certain things about softball that anytime somebody thinks about softball, whether they played or they coached or they watched on TV or followed it or their kid played or whatever, there's certain things about softball and college softball that people think about in that context. Yep. And I think that's one thing to me that I like is still there, that even as we grow the sport in positive ways, there are certain things, maybe they look a little different, but they're still there. At the end of the day, softball still softball. You know, back when I started, think about, you know, the big bows in, in players' hair was a big thing. Yeah. Well, you know what? Now maybe you don't see as many players wearing big bows, but at the same time, you've still got 
you know, the players are still playing for the love of the game. Yeah. That's never changed. You know, we talked earlier about um, the gratefulness to have the coverage, to be able to have the platform. And now the platform looks different, but the platform's still there, and these players and these coaches are still grateful for it. So yeah. I, I like the fact that the game hasn't lost itself. Yeah. Um, what needs to change? There needs to be less ego. Now, there never will be, just because <laughs> that's not how humanity is wired. Um, but as a pipe dream, there needs to be less ego. Um, in, in every facet of it, um, whether that's college ball, pro ball, really pro ball, um, even tr- you know travel ball, even you know we're tertiary parts of softball. We're media. We're not in the game. We're not coaching. We're not playing it. But even some of those things, once you start expanding those wings, the tertiary stuff, I feel like the ego needs to, to take a, take a step down um, mm-hmm. because that's where. I feel like softball gets in its own way the most as a sport um, is because of that ego. And yes, we're growing as a sport at every level exponentially. Um, But at the same time, I think those egos that come into play sometimes we get in our own way as a sport and as a, as as a body, if you will. Um, And I think that's going to be long-term. I think that might be one of the biggest detriments to the sports growth you know, 10, 20 years down the line is if some cer- certain egos in different places don't, not specific people necessarily, but just egos in certain uh, contexts don't get checked sometimes. I think that could be a big stumbling point for us. Well, just going back to the comparison to the playing days, any of the best teams that I played on, the ego wasn't an issue. But the, mm-hmm. the teams that maybe weren't as successful or there was a little more tension or whatever it was, and not just, I mean, throughout my whole life, and I think a lot of players experience this, those are the teams that struggle more, right? So it makes sense if we think of the the community and the sport from the larger perspective that that would apply to. Exactly. You're exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. But if you look back then at 2022 softball, mm-hmm. if you had to describe it in three words, what would they be and why? Are we talking softball at every level or just college ball? Every level, whatever you want to make it. Ooh, interesting. Three words. Um, ooh, three words. <laughs> I've asked similar questions a lot. I don't think I've ever answered one like that. I know. I'm flipping um, the script on you. <laughs> you are. And I knew you were going to when we set this up, but I don't think I expected this one. Three words. Um, hmm. It sounds cliche because we've already talked about it a lot. Um, I'm going to say growth because mm-hmm. I think we have seen growth this year, whether that's teams that aren't supposed aren't supposed to reach the Women's College World Series reaching it, um, whether that's multiple pro opportunities, whatever that looks like. I think we've still seen growth this yep. year. Um, so I'll use that as one word. Um, ooh, interesting. Um if, if I'm describing softball this year, I, I don't think I can leave out something that describes Oklahoma because I think Oklahoma defines softball just as, as a sport this year. So I'm going to say um, – I'm not going to say Oklahoma is one of my words. Um, I'm going to give Oklahoma an adjective. I'm going to say um, – I'm going to say dominance. Yeah. Because I think, you know, 10 years down the road, when we look back at 2022, that's going to be a word that – 
we remember the context of, hey, 2022, there was some dominant softball. Okay, you know what? That, yep. I remember that. Yep. Um, yep. Okay, now we're through two words. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say monumental. Because I think if you think about any level, you know, again, go back to Oklahoma and college softball. That's huge. It's, it's like Joe Burrow and LSU a few years ago in college football. It's one of those seasons you've never seen. Um, yep. You go to something like Carol Hutchins retiring. It's monumental. Yep. Um, but, but I think at the same time, you go to the pro level and you see the WPF starting. First year, we'll see yep. long term, but it's starting and what it looks like to start with, that's monumental. Yeah, it is. Um, even Athletes Unlimited, I, you know, it's been around for, this is year three. Um, but one thing I, about Athletes Unlimited that stuck out to me this year was I think you're, you, you see people who maybe weren't believers at first. And I'm not going to lie. I wasn't a total believer at first, um, just with the, the so different model. But I think you've seen some of those people start to come around this year. You know, the point system with the individuals is still not everybody's cup of tea. But there are people now who can separate and enjoy Athletes Unlimited for what it is, who, who maybe leave behind, hey, it's not traditional softball and enjoy the fact that there are really good softball players getting played to play pay getting paid to play professionally. Yeah. Um, to me that's a monumental thing. Yeah. Because if Athletes Unlimited is at the end of the day the best post college hope for, for pro softball in the future, well then it needs people to come around and to enjoy it. And if yeah. this year is what got some of those people started to come around, those those initial outliers, to me that's monumental. Yep. Um so I'll make that my third word. Yeah. They all make sense to me. I mean, growth is is obvious, dominance and monumental. I think the, those all make sense. I would say for me, I would say explosive, which I feel like has to do with growth. I almost yeah. feel like we were all kind of coming out the gates after 2020 getting canceled, then 2021 still being sort of altered from what our usual seasons are. And then it was just like, whew, out of the gates hot in 2022. Um, and then you're, the reason you said dominant and monumental, I think of like historic. That's sort of what the word I had in my mind for the same exact reasons. The only thing that I would add, which you still touched on is it was, it felt poetic because a lot of the monumental moments like Jocelyn Allo, break, not just breaking the record, doing it in Hawaii, yeah. right? Like yeah. stuff like that. Amanda Chittister retiring home run in her last at bat just recently, you know, those types of things. It was like, wow, this is a very poetic year that we've had. So I, I completely agree with you. That's a really good one too. I like that one. Now, well, I see, had a little I more see, time to think about it. <laughs> right. I was going to say, I knew I was going to, re- when you said you had some, I knew I was going to regret missing one, but. <laughs> no, I, I had a little more time. I set you up. That's on me. That's on me. <laughs> hey, again, you flip the script. That's how it works. That's how it works. It's what we do. It's what we do. That's it. <laughs> well, before I, um, wrap us up with a game that I play with every guest, which we'll get into in a second. Just a real quick remind everyone the best way to continue to follow your work. So extrainingsoftball.com is where everything's published. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram occasionally. Again, I'm not very good at Instagram. Um, <laughs> but it's where all the content is. And then I'm at just facts mem on Twitter, which is an old TV quote from the 60s that wasn't actually a TV quote from the 60s. But, you know. Where I, you know, tw- Twitter is as much a part of me as the website is. So I got to throw the plug in there for that too. 
Oh, hundred percent. And that's where a lot, so much content. I mean, that's where I discovered the Dr. Pepper thing, right? You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's got the good stuff there. <laughs> and it's just facts, ma'am, because I'm a Southerner. Yes. Right. People yes, think it's just facts, that. ma'am. Like, no, no man, it's ma'am. Just no posture. Right. Right. Southern charm. Bless your heart. I like the big hope. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for sharing that. And like I said, I'm going to put you, I feel like I accidentally already put you in the hot seat a little bit, but we'll do it again with a a game that I play with everyone called safer out. So basically I'll bring up a topic. Uh, If you like it or you agree with it, you call it safe. If you don't, you call it out. Okay. Make sense. All right. So the first one is the traditional format of press conferences. Safer out. I say safe. I actually enjoy them. Yeah. I, you know, I actually started watch getting more involved in that than ever before this past year. And it was pretty helpful. Mm-hmm. I obviously prefer like the one-on-one conversations just from the sort of, you know, we all love stories and I think that's how it happens right. the best. But, but yeah, the, it's, it's, it was surprising in a good way, pleasantly surprising how much information you actually can get, I think from those. Yeah. As long as you've got somebody good behind the microphone on the podium, I'm all for traditional ones. I, I actually enjoy them. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then that was an easy one. Warming up. Yeah. Uh, okay. Second one is preseason awards. Safer out. Um, it's going to sound hypocritical because, I mean, <laughs> I published preseason All-Americans most years. I'm going to say out um, because, I mean, I'm not a fan of preseason top 25s because they, unless you're going based off of how they finished last year, and if you do that, that's fine. But unless you're doing that – I, I don't see – you can't base it off of anything other than supposition. So I'm going to say out for awards, preseason awards, preseason top 25s. It makes me a hypocrite. Hello. <laughs> but actually, I feel like it makes you honest, though, as well. Because, okay, first of all, I'm with you. I don't like them in general because I feel like it's based on either past performances or past awards that people have gotten or, like you said, kind of just guessing to a certain degree. Educated guess, maybe. But I, no, I do think it's great when we t- we get to speculate and talk about like, oh, what do we think is going to happen this year? Awesome. But I feel like, yeah, the rankings and the awards, I think, are a little a little much. But I appreciate and, your honesty. I mean, maybe, maybe it makes me a hypocrite, but I will say the only reason I publish it is because sometimes you got to give the people what they want. They that's, And that's they do. That's yeah. true. People do want that stuff. So, like, I get it. I think the, the also the former player in me is like – well, we try to ignore rankings and awards and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. So it's also getting over that, uh, which I have to do sometimes. Right. <laughs> I get that. Okay. Okay, cool. That's that's the first couple. NIL. Safer out. I'm going to say safe. I okay. actually don't mind it. I know it's pretty controversial with some people. Um, I'm not one. I'm not one who's all for paying the players, like in true pay to play. I'm not a fan of that. Um, but I like the fact that a college athlete, because I think about somebody who has a great performance in the women's college world series in the national championship basketball game and, you know, in, in the national championship football game or in the SEC championship football game or whatever, who may be a one hit wonder may not go on to a pro career. Maybe somebody who came off the bench and hit three home runs or, you know, injured quarterback came back up, came in through four touchdowns. I like the fact that somebody like that, if they've got the infrastructure, can go and profit off of what they've done. Sell mm-hmm. T-shirts, sign a couple of you know, commercials or whatever. Um, I like the fact that, you know what, if there's a college athlete who wants to do a YouTube channel, he can make money off of it. She can make money off of it. 
So I'm, I actually, I like that. I think it's a nice, to me, I think it's a nice compromise where the student athletes are able to profit off of what they're doing, off their own work, off their own image, you know, I guess. Um, so I, I kind of, I like it. It's kind of the middle ground for me. So I'm going to say safe. All right. All right. Well, if it's the middle ground, Ty goes to the runner. So makes sense. Exactly. <laughs> makes sense. All right. So the last one is yeah. bat flips. Safer out. Ooh. <laughs> I'm going to say safe within reason. Okay. And my one caveat to within reason is I don't like it when they go so high that they come down, they can hurt somebody. Yeah. Like, I, I think there's got to be, because I've seen some bat flips that are pretty epic. <laughs> and everybody loves a good bat flip. Even the people who hate bat flips, you know, sometimes you, they're going to appreciate something. But yeah. to me, I, I think you got to be a little toned in occasionally. Don't throw it, you know. 15, 20,000 feet in the air. Um, you know, if you're throwing it towards the dugout, make sure you're not. But within those parameters, I, I'm all for it. I think it makes it fun. Yeah. You know, it's funny because <laughs> this is probably bad. I don't know what this says about me, but I didn't think as much about the safety aspect. I was thinking of it more as the what message are you trying to send aspect because, you know, I talk yeah. to these pitchers and, you know, it's like, oh, expect one in the ribs the next time you're up to bat if you do huh. that, right? But dot richardson on our 100th episode that was super recently um you know she's a doctor so she was like oh well that that was like her first reaction i was like oh yeah i guess that is you know a risk if you think about it so it makes sense i saw a bat flip one time i can't remember if it was one that went high in the air if it was one that went kind of line drive if you will but it came pretty close to nailing somebody (laughs) and at that moment my brain goes to yeah so that's my one caveat ever since. I'm all for it as long as it's not going to got a potential of, you know, maiming someone. Well, that's fair. I think that's a fair line to draw in general. I feel, I feel like if that's the line, it's okay. Yeah, I think we're good with that. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Justin. This has been really fun. I know we've chatted a little bit, you know, over the years and things, but getting to do this like one-on-one in this forum has been super cool. And we get to nerd out a little bit on media stuff, which is always a good thing. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. I appreciate you asking. This was this was a blast. Yeah, and we'll talk soon, I'm sure. Sounds good. You know, it was great to nerd out with Justin a little bit, just about media and about softball in general. I feel like so many guests have talked about meeting people and building relationships and how that's one of their favorite things about this sport. And I couldn't agree more, so it's just cool to get to know him a little bit better. So with that, let's transition to the foul tip of the week. This week's foul tip is about trust, especially in our relationships. You know, Justin talked about how the softball relationships that he has built has helped him find stories, get information, do a good job, but also actually stay excited and motivated around his job. And he said it, that the foundation of that has been trust. So many things in life are messy, they're gray, they don't have a formula that you can really follow. We're all just kind of figuring it out. But when it comes to trust, there is a formula that I find helpful, which is that trust is consistency over time. We talked about this a little bit in season two in the Taylor Gindelsberger episode. The foul tip of the week that week was about consistency and the key to building trust is that. So that's really what we talked about And then, of course, time is the other part of that equation. The interesting thing about trust is that it takes time to build, 
but it can be broken in an instant. And that is part of what makes it so valuable. Justin talked about doing his best to do right by the people he writes about, not making it just about the breaking news or the clicks, but representing them well and accurately and authentically. And like anything, there's a right way to do it. And after 11 years of working at it, Justin has built trust in his relationships as a softball journalist. And I think that's true for any type of relationship. You know, softball or not, you look at battery mates like Danielle O'Toole and Sasha Palacios, both been on the show, both talked about that special relationship. You look at teammates like Jocelyn Allo and Tiari Jennings for OU this past year, making history. Coaches like Hutch and pretty much anyone that's ever played for her. Family like the Romero sisters. Partners like Chitty and Anissa Urtez. It's just, it's true for all of us too. There is a reason why one of the worst feelings is having someone betray your trust. But also one of the best feelings is knowing that you can trust someone, especially trusting yourself also. But something I've discovered too is that it's an amazing feeling to also have someone else's trust because it's this privilege that is earned. And so when we get it from somebody, it matters. And that's when good things happen. You know, sometimes we have to trust somebody or something without having any guarantees and that that's life that can pay off or we can get burned by it. But without trust in some capacity, I don't think anything really gets done. So that's it. Build trust. That's the foul tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball, part of the Believe Network and presented by Bet Online. The show is available anywhere you get your podcasts, wherever you listen, including Believe.com. And you can watch the videos on YouTube too. Subscribe, rate, and if you liked it, write a review for the show. Help us out. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Believe in Softball. That's B-L-E-A-V. You can always reach out to me on Twitter at JennaBecerra01 and Instagram at JennaBecerra as well. As always, thank you for tuning in and catch you soon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.